This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everyone? Hopeland Church, what is going on? It is time for part two of Culture Conversations. And we're taking a journey through Thessalonians, the book of Thessalonians, that is. And so here we go. Let's jump right in. Let me pray and we will get into the word today. So, Father, thank you today uh, for this moment. Uh, Holy Spirit, teach us and bring life to the word today. Um, Speak through me. And please anoint this moment at your table. And God, let us walk away changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right, here we go. Let's jump in. This is part two. All right. And uh, we're going to get into some more stuff. I know this is culture conversations. This is, uh, we've, gone about culture conversations this year a little different because we're actually walking through uh, one of the books in the Bible. And so that kind of makes it a little different and so uh, than before, but we are going to get into over the next couple weeks just more specific things of what culture says, but what the Bible says. What What is a cultural norm versus what is a biblical norm? All those things. Um, We're going to get into some of the nitty-gritty of things. Um, But today, in light of Culture Conversations, um, we're going to talk about what are some of the absolute realities of the Christian life. Okay, In light of Culture Conversations, in light of being in this culture, or any culture, or or, or a part of the church in any time period, as we read Thessalonians, we see some things that are absolute to any Christian in any era. And so these are just some things that apply to Christians everywhere at all time. Okay. And so with with that said, you know, like the truth is this, um, the devil, demons, and evil are real. Uh, The world, as far as the system of the world, is hostile. Um, Culture, even, the good and bad of it, it comes with tension. Culture can be complex. Um, when you mix people, behaviors, and all this and that, um, you know, it can be complex. Some of it can be outright demonic. Um, not all of it is, but even if it isn't outright ungodly, we all know that culture can be complex and culture can bring tension. It's the nature of culture. Um, and so also culture is evolving and culture has a lot of gray areas, right? Or just, you know, culture comes with, um, thoughts and things that are not absolute. It's just culture. Um, so, um, what are, in, in light of that, what are some of the absolute realities of the Christian life? Um, and what we're going to talk about is some of these things are just simply true, meaning they're just an absolute reality. We must accept this as a believer, that this is the reality of living the Christian life. But also some of these things are just not, not that they're next, they are realities, but 
it's like we need them. So, so this is something we need to actually stay in the will of God and walk with God. All right. So here we go. Um, as we jump into this, um, when we talk about just these absolute realities of the Christian life, one of those things, as we see in Thessalonians, and just an absolute necessity of a Christian is to have relationships with other believers. Um, we, in Thessalonians, we see this, like chapter two here. We're going to be going through chapter two a bit, and you just see this as a reality of the Christian life, life and, a, and an absolute necessity to continue with God, to walk with God, and to experience all of the blessing and fullness and of, of walking with God and in community. It, 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 relationships are so important. And Paul just kind of, in his letter, you see that he was actually in relationship with these people. Like he was, he was in relation with them. He um, loved and cared for these people in Thessalonica and they love and cared for him. And it was, you see the context here, it was relational, okay? So here's my first point. I know this is super simple. It kind of might sound a little strange the way I worded it, but this is the best way I can put it is that relationships are awesome, okay? Uh, all right, say when we say relationships are awesome. So I'm talking about healthy relationships. I'm talking about relationships in the kingdom of God. And I'm talking about just having other healthy believers around you. And in here, when it comes to even the, the, the church in Thessalonica and the relationship with Paul and his relationship with them is Paul reminds us, okay, even from a, a leadership perspective, like a local church leader per, leadership perspective, Paul reminds us that the literal end, essence of Christian leadership is not about power and influence. Okay, he, he reiterates this. He, it's like without defining it, he defined it, okay? Because he's just expressing his heart for these literal people, okay? So the, the essence of Christian leadership is not power and influence. That, is, that does not define Christian leadership. Uh, pastoral leadership is not defined by power or influence. Okay, according to the book of Thessalonians, it is defined by, or it is really Christian leadership is about healthy relationships and humble, loving service. Okay, so uh, like the main point I just said, you know, relationships are awesome. And, and it's not just that, oh, we like them and they bring joy and enjoyment and fulfillment to us that feeling of belonging, that feeling of being known and knowing others, like, of course, all of that, yes and amen. But we're going to speak on just your just your own spiritual development, your spiritual growth, and you actually fulfilling God's purpose on your life. It, it Relationships, healthy relationships have everything to do with it, okay? And and we must, let me just say this one more time before we dive into First Thessalonians. We're going to look at a, a handful of scriptures here just in chapter two that just really help us look at the importance or the true definition of community in 
the early church was the basis, the whole fabric was, it was relational. Okay, so once again, the essence of Christian leadership is not about power and influence. Okay, it's about um, healthy relationships and loving and humble service. That's what it is. 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 That is what it is. Relationships are awesome. Somebody say it with me. Say relationships are awesome. So here we go. Let's dive. I'm going to dive into just a number of verses. We're just going to go down 1 Thessalonians 2, just so you can see this within the context of walking through Thessalonians. And here we go. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. Okay? And so why? Because it's in relationship with these people. Why? Because his whole motive, this wasn't, this wasn't like a, some sort of influence building campaign. Like Paul didn't get a vision uh, while, while he was in Troas from God so he can go to Thessalonica and build his platform. Somebody needs to say amen. He got a vision in Troas to go there and help these people. It was relational. Okay, and we, we learned this the first week. He was only there for max three weeks. But a, a true spiritual bond happened with these people, man. And, and he's like, man, we didn't come, we didn't come with error, uncleanness, or deceit. So this is this is why relationships are awesome. Because healthy relationships, and I'm speaking of godly relationships. I'm speaking of those relationships that God has appointed. I'm speaking of relationships of people, other people walking with God like you. Okay? Like they have faith. They, they got Christ. They might not be your ethnicity. They might not be from your neighborhood. They, they might not have any other cultural connection to you, but it is the Christ. It is a spiritual connection. It is Jesus. And this is the healthy type of relationships I'm talking about. Healthy relationships guard us from even the potential of manipulation, deceit, or control. Um, because we all got issues, right? And so relationships are part of our deliverance. Relationships require us to check our motives. Because healthy people, people walking with God that have a pure heart for God, they're just not going to tolerate my manipulation, deception, or control, right? You know what I mean? And so hopefully, you know, um, it's not like you walk in every relationship with all these ulterior motives. No, but what I'm saying here is relation, healthy relationships guard us, us from our, in a sense, like healthy people in God, in Christ, help protect me and guard me from my own pitfalls. You can't be in a relationship with healthy, healthy people and not have to deal with your issues. We all have them. This is what people are for. They help us and we help them, right? It's, this is mutual. It's mutually beneficial. Relationships in the kingdom of God are mutually beneficial, right? And so um, 1 Thessalonians 2, 5, let's just go down a couple more verses. Here it is, Paul again, this whole thing, this whole context of, of the Apostle Paul's relationship with this community was relational. The whole context was a relationship. First uh, Thessalonians 2.5, for neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Once again, he's just reiterating Look, guys, we, you know, because, um, you know, it could have been, you know, other people saying things or speaking about Paul in some way. And he's, in a sense, he's saying, hey, guys, you know me, right? You know me. Okay. Um, say it with me again. Say relationships are awesome. Here it is. Next one. First Thessalonians 2, 9. 
Okay, I, we could have read this whole chapter, but I didn't want to take too long reading all the verses here. You can go back and read it. You know, as we're walk, as we're, we're walking through Thessalonians, maybe make First and Second Thessalonians just your own personal devotional, just to go through it on your own as well. There's it's, there's so much in here. I can't really cover it all, and I'm sure you'll get all, your own revelation. God will speak to you through it yourself. But First Thessalonians two nine for, for you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. Okay, so he's just kind of, you just read um, actually Thessalonians in its entirety and you see just the intimate language used, very endearing language. So me as a pastor, I'm reading this, I'm like, man, like just from my pastoral lens here, I'm like, this man had a very deep um, love, appreciation, and relationship with these people. And what's so powerful about this is he was only present there for no more than three weeks. God set that up. And so um, as we see here, like, and when we talk about relationships and, you know, uh, in, in this context, it's like Paul went there and he he was not a burden to them. Worked with his own hands very, very well, just con- knowing his own kind of trade of, of tent making. It's very possible that he was doing his tent business in the midst of preaching and teaching to them um, those, those three Sabbaths. Like in between that, it's very possible that he was actually just doing that. Because he's saying here, we worked with our own hands, labor and toil, laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to you, okay? So so here it is, just to apply to your life, talking culture conversations, and I would say this, like this is the absolute blessing and benefit of having healthy relationship with God's people is this is that healthy relationships, according to just looking at these verses, looking at Paul's relationship to the church in Thessalonica, healthy relationships are always reciprocal and they're they're mutually beneficial, meaning there's an exchange between parties involved, right? You know, so if one of the people in the relationship is always and chronically the burden, that is unhealthy. Now, we're all going to at some point, you know, need to, you know, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But in the same scripture there, in that one I just quoted um, about bearing one another's burdens, it also says that we're to bear our own burden, meaning carry our own responsibility. So I understand there's a balance to this and maybe some tension because there might be a season of time where you're like just, you know, maybe just the one that somebody in your life is really helping and pouring into you. But in a healthy relationship, there is always an exchange and it's never one-sided. When it's only one-sided, that is not a healthy relationship. Um, What I mean by always is just it never changes, right? That's just not, we were not created to be in relationship where we are always, 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 always on the giving side. 
It's just not what fellowship is. Fellowship is an exchange. All right, can I get an amen, somebody? Here we go. So say it with me again. Say relationships are awesome. Here we go. Let's read a little bit more. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 10 to 12. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. Verse 11, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. I wanna read verse 12 again. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. The whole purpose, I'll read it in a second, but the whole purpose of relationship in the kingdom of God, what it, what it leads to, where, where it takes you and the other person or the people or whatever that is, in any relationship in Christ, those we used to call them, you know, when I was growing up in church and stuff, uh, coming up with my friends, we called them divine relationships, right? But, you know, it's, it's like those relationships that God kind of orchestrated and ordained. Th those things where there's this mutual, we're mutually beneficial. We are both benefiting. We are both being poured into and receiving from. We're but it's every healthy relationship in the kingdom is giving and receiving. It is both and. It's not all receiving and it is not all giving, but it is a giving and receiving. If you got a relationship like that, and I'm speaking of one in Christ, I am telling you, pour into that relationship, make yourself available, because there's something about that that I truly believe is of God totally, just based on that, that it is mutually beneficial. There, there's something to be said. It is mutually agreeable. Kind of go in that same direction. It's what, you know, in Corinthians, it talks about don't be unequally yoked. I'm saying that is that is what you would call an equal yoke, right? And so verse 12, look at the goal here. Paul, in speaking about his connection to these people, how he served, how he lived, he wasn't a burden and all this and all these other verses in Thessalonians saying, man, you are my joy and my crown. And you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's just all this relational stuff, right? In verse 12 says this, First Thessalonians 2, 12, I'll, I'll finally read it. That you would, what, what's the purpose of this? That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory, right? He's saying this. That I did all this. I was like a father. He also used another verse says I was like a nursing mother. So he's using like these maternal and paternal kind of language describing his relationship with this body of believers. Relational through and through. And then he's like, what? So look at why, like there's a lot of reasons why relationships are awesome. There's a lot of reasons why if you even just look at if we even look at this as through the divine nature, just God's heart and how he has orchestrated just creation and, and, the, and the cross and sending his son to die for us that we might become sons of God. Like this is a, this is a relationship, not a religion. And so, you know, why, why the relational context? Because it is through this context, relationship with God, and his people, that we walk worthy of God, who calls us into his own kingdom and glory, that we would walk worthy, right? That we would live this thing, that we would 
that we wouldn't just have this theoretical thought of God, this kind of maybe not even just re like religious discipline of attending church or, or just being able to on a whim just say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe the Bible, I believe in Jesus. That's awesome. But that we would not just be able to profess Christ, confess Christ publicly, say that, oh no, I believe in him, no, but that you would walk worthy of God. That you would walk worthy. I'm telling you, if 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 you love God, you're saved. God has saved you. He's touched you. He's, and and you don't have healthy relationship with God's people. It's going to be very difficult to walk worthy of God. I'm going to say this: it's going to be impossible to truly do all that God desires to do in and through you, because the way God does it is through in and through relationship with Him first and foremost, and with His people secondarily. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We see this in Thessalonians, this relational context, and that Paul's whole heart for being there, even in the midst of intense persecution, was so that they would walk worthy of God, who calls them, calls us, in the verse that calls you, into his own kingdom and glory. All right? We need relationships in God, in Christ, so that we can walk worthy of God. So what are some of these other realities of the Christian life? I mean, we can go on and on about relationships, um, but you see this here. And, and, and in talking about cultural conversations, uh, cultural conversations, you know, in this world, I'm going to, just mention this about relationships here, and then we're going to go to the next thing here. But in this world, man, it, you know, as I said in the beginning of this message, it's hostile. The devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right? Um, if we love the world, you know, the love of God is not in us. The Bible says that, you know, if we're a, if we're a friend of the world, we're an enemy of God. Right, so there's a, there's a there's a separation here of the the worldly system, the kingdom of God. You know, there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. Right, and so but here we are in this world. Here we are living for Jesus. Here we are. We've encountered Him, and and we want to walk worthy, as I said, and we want to do this life with God's people because it is how we're going to be able to do it. We need, we need each other, right? And here, here's the next thing. This is an absolute reality of the Christian. And, and the absolute reality of the Christian is suffering. That is, that is a reality. Um, there's a suffering that a Christian must go through simply because you're a Christian, just simply because Christ is in you, simply because you've confessed him, you've encountered him, he is your Lord. You've confessed him as Lord, you will suffer because of that. Suffering is a reality of the Christian. And so I want to say it this way, though, for today, because we see this here in this book, that here it is, common suffering is a blessing. Okay, it is a blessing. I, 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 we can prove this theologically, that suffering in God and for God, walking with God is a blessing. There is a blessing in suffering. The Bible says we glory in tribulation. 
And if we suffer with them, we shall also reign with them. Somebody say it with me. Say common suffering is a blessing. Okay? And so in Thessalonians, let's read this. 1 Thessalonians 2.14. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also, say it when we say also. Say, for you also suffered the same. Say the same. Say it with me, say common suffering is a blessing. It says here, for you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. So what is he saying? Like his people, Jewish people in, in, the, in Jerusalem, they were suffering there because of their faith from the Jewish people. Their very own were persecuting them. And now he's talking to these guys in, in Macedonia, um, uh, Achaia, I think that's maybe a closer way to say it, those regions, that's northern and southern Greece. Uh, and they were suffering from their Greek contemporaries and countrymen. And so all Christians share in the same suffering. All right, I'm just gonna read some things from my notes. If we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified with him. And here's, here, here's what we see here in Thessalonians. If we suffer together and stay faithful to Jesus together, we will grow together. I'm gonna say it again. If we suffer together and stay faithful to Jesus together, we will grow together, okay? Um, and... We know this, if you, if you listen to the, or watched the first um, uh, sermon series, or first sermon of this month, we talked about how much suffering happened there and so fast that Paul had to flee Thessalonica, flee Berea, and head down to Athens. All right, and just, and then it got so hostile, he couldn't go back. And so he had to send Timothy up to see how they were doing. He, he was, Paul was bothered. He was concerned with their welfare because he dipped out of there and he's like, he has no idea what's going on. Nobody's doing social media. You know, nobody's tagging him in a post so we can see what's happening. Nobody's DMing him, right? He, has, he doesn't have that type of communication back then. So he's like, man, so he sent some of his leaders to just check on them, all right? And so, but you see in this, when we look at Thessalonians, that their mutual suffering unified them. Let's move on here. 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 to 20. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 17 to 20. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. I'm telling you, part of our suffering is having to deal with the enemy. I mean, Paul says it right here. He's trying to get to them, and Satan hindered him. Obviously, we know the context of him not going there based on what happened there, based on his letter here, is it was persecution, okay? And... He tried to, but he couldn't, all right? And they, these, 
the suffering that happened did not deteriorate their relationship with Jesus, nor did it deteriorate their relationship with one another. It actually excited their passion for Jesus, and it actually caused them to go grow deeper in relationship with one another. It, that's what happened. That's, a, that's literally what happened, all right? Verse 19, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. Suffering unites us as believers and draws us closer together, all right? The beauty of being in Christ and being connected to God's people is that we have the joy of suffering together. It is, this is the beauty of being united in spirit because I may not know all of your struggle. I may not be able to connect with, with, with what you've had to suffer for reasons that I just don't identify with. Whether that's the color of your skin, your gender, um, whatever, your socioeconomic situation or whatever, or just your childhood upbringing, whatever that might be, I may not be able to identify with those things because we come from different culture. But every believer can identify with another believer's suffering because we suffer because of Christ in us. And if you got Christ and I got Christ, we can connect and relate to a suffering that those that do not have Christ cannot relate to. Okay, and so this is why it's so important, I wanna encourage you, is to share your real journey with others or share those moments you've had to go through with God because somebody needs to hear it. Somebody, maybe they feel like, man, I'm all alone with this. I don't know what this is like. I don't know what it's like to be persecuted by my parents. I don't know what it's like to be rejected by people at work. Or, or like, like meaning, I don't know if anybody knows what that's like, right? Like, I'm over here on my own. I'm, I'm, I don't know how to process and deal with this where people are hating on me because of my faith or they're, they're trying to make me look bad or they're talking about me because I'm a Christian. There's no other reason why they would do this. And like, why is this happening? I'm, I haven't done anything to them. And very well could be simply because you're a Christian, the, the enemy wants to discourage you, wants to bring you down. And, and, and so this is why it's so important to share your real journey, share your moments like that with others because you just don't know. They may just need to hear it. And this is why relationship is so important because you're not going to hear anybody else's story if you're not in relationship with them, okay? And so it, it, sharing your story, sharing your journey, sharing the real thing, it can not only, it's not that it only liberates us when we share it, but it potentially can encourage somebody else, all right? Somebody say amen. Say it with me. Say common suffering is a blessing. All right, let's continue here. First Thessalonians 3, verse 1 to 5. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, and so Paul was saying, yeah, the, the, Satan hindered us, couldn't come time and time again. Sorry, I just want to give a little back 
story there. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, uh, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Verse three, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed as we, 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 say it with me again, say mutual suffering is a blessing. Common suffering is a blessing. He says, we were appointed to this. Hey, you guys know this. This is part of it. We can't live godly in Christ and not suffer persecution. Hallelujah. Verse four, for in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you, we would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. Verse five, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. And I wanna encourage you here with this today. Um, here it is, this, all this is here, the suffering, the relationship, his heart for them, their heart for him, this, that we're going through this together, but I wanna know how you're doing, I'm here for you. They, they were, they were, they were, there was a bond there. The Apostle Paul, Silas, Timothy, this church up there in, in you know, Europe, you know? It's like kind of like the northern tip of his missionary journeys, okay? Um, and this is powerful because if you look at this, the devil could not keep the gospel from Thessalonica. The enemy, the magistrates, the Roman Empire, the, the persecution, the enemy, the devil could not keep the gospel from getting planted in the hearts of Jews and Greeks alike, getting saved, gathering, community, church basically being planted. Couldn't stop it. The social society, the, 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 the state, extremely hostile, okay? Taking people to jail, all, all kinds of stuff, right? Who knows what else was happening at this point, okay? But it could not stop the planting of the seed and community happening. So I want to say that sometimes we have this notion in our theology that we have to transform the territory, the society, the government for the gospel and Christian community to be alive and vibrant and happening. According to Thessalonians, that is not true. Somebody say amen. That society there was continually hostile for 300 years, okay? So some of the most ruthless Roman governors and emperors just devastated the Christian community in that region for hundreds of years, okay? Up until Constantine, literally that particular region, hostile, pagan worship, stuff like that. Now, 
Was transformation happening? Was gospel happening? Was church happening? Yes. And we see that, like we see this, okay? So, so God, this, this community was vibrant. This, the gospel spread, we said this last week, the gospel literally spread throughout two regions, Achia and Macedonia, okay? They're, they're two pretty big provinces. Thessalonica is one city in it. And from that city, the Bible says their faith sounded forth. Okay, to the, throughout those provinces. Come on, somebody. And, and, and they didn't have uh, freedom of religion. Somebody say, uh, the gospel will be planted on human hearts. In human hearts. And it will spread from there. So this is what Thessalonians tells us, folks. This is what it tells us. Somebody say amen out there. It was a vibrant. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't want to change government. I'm not saying God doesn't want to change society. But according to Thessalonians, God does not need agreement with political power for Christian community to be planted, to grow, to spread, and throughout a region beyond that literal community itself. That's what our Bible tells us. And so, praise God, right? Isn't that awesome? That's how powerful God's word is. That's how powerful God's timing is. That's how powerful God's intention is. That's, that's how powerful that vision Paul had in Troas was. Okay? And so, here it is. Paul doesn't know how they're doing other than what he heard from Timothy. But he was like, man, I had to send Timothy, man, because just lest the tempter tempt you. And here's the thing. The devil could not stop them from being saved. But what Paul was concerned about, that he would, that the enemy would then maybe pollute the believers, cause them to lapse in their faith, to buckle under the pressure of persecution, okay? And so his concern was he was celebrating their faith, but he was like, I need to know that you're still in the will of God. You're still pursuing Jesus. You're still walking with him because persecution does have a way to mess us up, to get us out of the will of God, to cause us to leave Jesus and to leave community. It can happen and it does happen to some. But when we see the big picture and we and history tells us this, that persecution actually is an ingredient, an, an ingredient that actually spreads the gospel. Early church father Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs are the seeds of the church. And so uh, the tempter, if you can't keep a person from receiving the gospel and getting saved, his next tactic is to pollute the believer's life and to make them ineffective. Okay, so you can see in this language, Paul's concerned with their spiritual growth. Okay, so the fellowship that comes from suffering together mixed with our faithfulness to Jesus will promote Christian maturity. Can I get an amen? And so here, we're gonna close with this. Here's my point. We're gonna close with this. We need to pray for endurance. I'm saying this must be a reality for every believer, for ourselves in our own prayer and for the prayer of others. In this culture and in this world, we need to pray for endurance. And so Paul closes out this chapter, even though he wasn't writing them in chapters, 
but he closes out this whole section here with a prayer. Okay, and I'm going to read it. We're going to close with this right here. 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 to verse 13. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. He's still like, man, I want to come. I want to come see y'all. Verse 12. And may the Lord, here's the prayer, make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts. Blame us. Establishments to like fix, to settle, to be, you know, solid, to be solid in faith, to be settled, grounded in faith, right? So this is a prayer that they, that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. We need to pray for endurance. This ought to be a reality of our life. It must be that we're praying, God, keep me. God, keep my brother and sister. God, keep my marriage, right? Keep us, Lord, in your presence. Lord, keep us on fire for you. Lord, keep us. Lord, Father, even right now, I pray, God, I pray for those joining in. I pray in the name of Jesus that you keep them. I pray that they stay in the will of God. I pray that they don't get jaded by um, by, by culture. They don't get jaded by the pressure, that even some of the pressure, they, these undertones of disapproval from the world and culture, these, these, these kind of even just subtle, passive undertones of that of 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 rejection and and um being ostracized simply because of our faith in jesus i pray that you i pray the same prayer for them god that they would increase and abound in love for their brothers and sisters and for all people lord i pray in the name of jesus that that you lord would establish their hearts blameless in holiness before our god and father I pray in the name of Jesus that you would keep them holy and blameless unto your coming, God. I pray, Lord, that we would endure until the end. Lord, let us be believers, God. Grace us, help us, show us, Lord, how to continue. Lord, I pray that those hearing in today, those watching today, would be of the remnant, those that remain in the will of God. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And all of God's people said amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.